Hello, friends, and welcome to Anything But Toto, the podcast where we review anything but Toto. Yeah. Uh, I'm Julian Muyo. I'm Bianca Tamori. And this is our inaugural episode. This is. That's a very presidential term for inaugural? such a silly podcast in my room. That's <laughs> true. We're in your room right now. And yeah. um, just to let you know, if you hear any honking in the background, Italy just won the Euro Cup. And my cat Mew Mew has decided to perch herself in my windowsill conveniently in time for recording. And she has bells on her collar. So if you hear that, she's just practicing her percussion. Yeah, if you hear that jingle jangle, it's a Norwegian forest cat. She's so cute. Um, we've talked about doing a podcast uh, the last couple of years and it never quite worked out no but by the way context we went to audio production school at ryerson we are we're dating hey in case you didn't know we are dating <laughs> to inform you we're dating so we've we've uh, toyed with this idea for the past f- probably six years for as long as we've kind of known each other and um we did a podcast radio show type thing at ryerson on spirit live which probably our moms just listened to and uh, here we are for another podcast that probably her moms will just listen to anyway. Yeah, we have a very, very small uh, audience. That yeah, we're, very we're, niche demographic. Very niche demographic. <laughs> um, so what's the idea behind this podcast? Well, it's to kind of, I think, just capture the conversations you and I have. Because, you know, every conversation needs to be captured now in the podcast generation. We're so, we're so important. As you know. I... complain on a daily basis about the oversaturation of the podcast market i'm like i got a contribution um but yeah we basically want to just record some of the conversations and um tidbits that we have about these albums and popular music um for a little bit of background on us we both like i said went to ryerson for media production we streamed an audio production so we did a lot of mixing mastering uh we both are longtime record collectors uh, we both love playing music. I am not a professional by any means. I like to play guitar in my room. Julian's an amazing band or RIP. <laughs> was an amazing band. And, you're, and, you're, and you're selling yourself too short. You're, you're really good at guitar. No, but we have fun doing that. We collect records. We're big time music nerds. And um, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, our, our love language is music. And that's kind of like the basis of how we met. How we first bonded was through our love of the, sim- the same music, but just kind of music in general. It is, uh, I think, the bedrock of our relationship. I mean, I, I think, think so. the first conversation the we ever... Bedrock, nice. The bedrock. The uh, bedrock. Maybe that has odd connotations. But I think the, <laughs> the, um, the first conversation we ever had it was us comparing our favorite albums. Yeah, everyone was like, you guys have to meet because you have the exact same taste in music and you're so similar. And then you slid into my, uh, my Facebook and you said, hey, stop liking all the same music as me. And I did. You were right. <laughs> I did. That was our. I think that was my uh, my segue. It was. It was. Really, it was pretty good. It worked. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, so why why are we talking about this? Why not? You know, Joe Schmo off the street. Well, Joe Schmo could talk down the street, but uh, we got some microphones set up. We here. got microphones. I I feel like we do. Um, maybe we're selling ourselves short. Whatever. But I I do think that we are qualified in some degree i i minored in music and culture at ryerson did the audio production you've we both pretty much researched written and studied music in this field extensively so i think we're just really excited and very passionate about the topic and uh you know when we're not in school or at work working on it we're kind of just doing this anyway when we're with each other so why not just put a microphone in front yeah of us? that's all yeah um we're both grad students we are yeah i forgot to mention that and, totally forgot about that yeah and i guess like your master's project you're looking at uh explain your master's project because i in never brief, i never really God, like capture how, how interesting it is um so i am looking at the intersection between music and fashion particularly in 
the United Kingdom between 1964 to 1974 with a focus on the fashion and music of the mod subculture, kind of the Edwardian dandyism revival in Carnaby Street, and then glam rock to kind of close my, my three chapters I'm looking at. So I'm kind of looking at that. I'm doing a photographic lookbook to accompany my paper, and that's what I'm working on. I'm very excited about it. And you've taken some great pictures. You have some great models Let's as see. well. Yeah, <laughs> you I'm might be a little biased on that one. Yes, I'm a little biased. Um, I'm also in a PhD program, a communication culture program. Dr. Uh, Jules. Not yet. It's a, it's, <laughs> a jo- it's a joint program between Ryerson and York. And I'm also looking at uh, at music and kind of the future of music, artificial intelligence. Um, although that's kind of what I feel like, artificial intelligence. <laughs> I know, it's my imposter syndrome. Like, I have artificial intelligence. Nothing is real. Exactly. I'm going to do this podcast and be terrified everything I'm saying is stupid, but it's fine. I'm sure well, it's no not. no one's listening. So <laughs> no, it's just your mom's. It doesn't okay. really matter. Yeah, so... What album are we talking about today? So when we were doing this, we decided we you should pick a diverse selection of albums. And I thought, why don't we start with one that everyone's kind of talking about and we're both not really familiar with. And so we decided to go with Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Yes. And I knew nothing about this album. I heard a couple of uh, snippets of some of the singles, mm-hmm. but like I'm kind of, it's not a good thing, but I'm kind of a, a like a curmudgeon. Okay. Anything that's new, I, I generally am just like, yeah. nah, it must suck. <laughs> yeah, but wait, but to clarify, you do not have that really toxic mentality of like, rock music no, was the best no, and I, I good music the... died. Like, no, you're not like that at all. Whenever some someone's like hyping something up, mm-hmm. I'm always kind of like, eh. That's like anyone. Anytime someone hypes something up, you gotta hear it. It's the best thing ever. I'm like, okay, like, let's see. Let's yeah. wait and hear about it. And this is an album people are talking about. And you actually, you were telling me to listen to it for a while because you're like oh, i heard listen tracks, to the singles yeah. yeah 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 and i finally this is another reason for the podcast this is a great excuse for us to listen to new music and yeah. and, and, and also yeah. total side note not talk about it with each other because like you said the bedrock of our relationship is the the discussion and dissection of music so when we hear an album the first thing we want to do if we're with each other is talk about it or text each other about it so it's going to be interesting that we've withheld these thoughts and we've been kind of simmering on them for how many a few nights now and uh, well, I don't know. I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah. So we haven't compared notes. No, we're not. not at we're all. not fooling you. We You've haven't. You've been locked from my notebook, kid. Yeah. I actually I went to the bathroom earlier and I brought my yeah, six pages so of rude. notes. Don't we trust each other? My God. We don't. This is also <laughs> gonna kind of be a, a relationship advice. Podcast. Yeah. Totally. Write in if you want any relationship advice. <laughs> we'll give you. We'll Hopefully, give it's you... on our moms writing in for that one. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll give you music related uh, yeah, advice. Exactly. Uh, for relationships. Okay, but we got Olivia Rodrigo. She is a Disney star <laughs> from high school musical the musical the series not the good one okay the good one i say the good one as if like the original high school musical is the fucking godfather it's not it absolutely sucks um it's fun i rewatched it recently it's not that good it's kind of charming but oh well anyway she's from high school musical the musical the series a disney show and the to give you some context on the album she wrote this is a uh, a teen angst breakup fueled album about her relationship with her co-star on that series and so oh, is it yeah so oh, how the dwindling of their love inspired all of sour and that's why it's called sour and all the songs are about kind of revolving around those themes and whatnot right okay okay with that in mind though yeah yeah so like i think we can cover a lot of different aspects of the songs like we can talk about the lyrics we can talk about production melody and one of the things i want to do is really kind of 
maybe pull apart some of the songs and kind of be like, look at the threads of the songs and maybe what inspired them. Um, I think that'll be a lot of fun. I absolutely a few songs came to mind when I was listening to it. Oh, me too. Yeah. So should we start with the first track? I think let's do it. I think we've, uh, I think we're good. Okay. Okay. Track one is brutal. here so what do you think about this song brutal i can't tell if i think it lives up to its title or if i love it i am absolutely torn on this one i really can't tell okay i um so i really like the song okay i i think well first things first dan nigro who produced the album did a fantastic job oh like, yeah just Wicked. overall the so album good. great vocal production um he's got like really crisp warm analog sounds um and i think that's really exemplified right from the first track this song i really liked it i thought it reminded me a lot of um blur like it reminded me a lot of of like if you took the great escape era and you mixed it with blur self-title album (laughs) literally wrote that down like it sounds almost like stereotypes which is also it's also the opening track on the great escape but if you took away some of like the uh the keyboard sounds that like damon alburn puts in and you have more of the heavy pavement inspired guitar sounds of uh blur self-titled album let's let's play let's insert a snippet of stereotypes by blur off the great escape right here Oh, and also I wrote down, it has like a muse kind of stadium rock riff, but I did also think it reminded me of that era of Blur in particular. Yeah. Yeah. But interestingly enough, when the verse comes in, I think it sounds 100%. I can't unhear it. I think it sounds so much like Weezer, like Rivers Cuomo. I can hear him singing the verse huh, because okay. the verse like is, the words like the, the kind of like a high pass filter the i'm so dun, dun, yeah doo, doo, doo. rivers cuomo does it all the time but his whole shtick is that he's you know an un, a nerdy underdog right. who's talking about how frustrated he is at cooler people it's brutal out here in her mind so yeah. it kind of relates and i can't unhear it i just hear right. weezer specifically in the verses put me in a special school because i am such a fool and i don't need a single book to teach me how to read who needs stupid books they are for petty crooks and i will learn by studying the lessons in my dream. i'm so sick of 17 where's my fucking teenage dream if someone tells me one more time enjoy your youth i'm gonna cry yeah so it's a it's a nice a nice blend of mid 90s to early 2000s indie rock and mm-hmm. also the other thing is it's got a bit like a bit of the dandy warhol sprinkled on it like like um not if you were the last junkie on earth oh my tune yeah what else do you think about the song i have a couple so, of notes i agree with you on all that and like i said i hear like the muse kind of stadium feel i hear the blur comparison and i, I hear weezer now i didn't think of that one upon first listen but to me my the issue i have with this song is that it sounds like it would be played in the beginning of camp rock like i hear this being sung by demi lovato first scene of camp rock which you know me i'm all about it but i don't it, 
if you're trying to make an album to kind of separate you from Disney, if your your whole thing is you're from High School Musical, the musical, the series, mm. I probably would wouldn't I wouldn't want to be compared to Camp Rock for my my album opener. So interestingly enough, I had a very similar point, which is overall this album to me is if you had to sum it up in one sentence, it's uh, Haley Williams and Paramore singing Taylor Swift. But, Those are the two comparisons she always gets on okay, Variety, so, Vulture, everything. Um, yeah, and, and I just generally got a very 2000s sound from it, and specifically certain songs later on really do have a Disney sound. And uh, I think, I mean, everyone kind of knows what we're talking about, but we'll we'll get to mm-hmm. those uh, those songs in a bit. But I agree with you, but I also think that there's another Disney aspect that's kind of worked into the song. Um, the song opens with kind of enchanted forest yeah i wrote down strings like beautiful almost, strings <laughs> yeah but they're kind of creepy and sinister they're they're, they're almost yeah, like yeah. like something out of maleficent or something very true where it's like you can imagine or like snow white lost in a forest mm-hmm. very disney So you get these nice strings and it's almost like she's dangling her Disney identity in front of you. And then she says, that's a good one. Yeah. And then she says something like, I think she says, I want it to be messy. Yeah. I like when it's messier or something like that. So it's like when it's almost like she's dangling the Disney identity in front of you. And Uh. then she's kind of subverting your expectations and saying, this isn't, if you know me just because of Disney, this isn't going to be pure Disney. It's going to have a little bit more of an indie rock flavor, but maybe, and this is a problem I have with uh some songs it straddles the line between is she kind of making fun of herself sometimes like sometimes i can't yeah tell. how self-aware is she in poke yeah yeah sometimes i can't tell if there are just amateur elements in some of the songs or if that's very deliberate and i mean we'll get into that with some other right. songs but one thing i do like about this song is that it does provide kind of the thesis of the album where it talks about everything from anxiety, popularity, teenage dream. This is 10 years after Katy Perry um, and, and her album. Where she Masterful had, album. Yeah, she had teenage dream. And this so is almost good. like, look how far we've come. And now she's 17 and she's talking about prom. She's talking about parallel parking, which is also something that comes up in other songs, driving in general. Um, but overall, I think that this is kind of... This is going to be an anthem for 17-year-olds. That To me, that's what it is. It's like, if I were 17, I'd be right there screaming it, singing it. Yeah. But I did this with Miley Cyrus, and I won't do it with Olivia Rodrigo, but I will zoom out and appreciate it in this sense. Right. Okay. Um, and I think, like, one of the other things about, about her kind of trying to create these anthems for 17-year-olds, one of the issues I have with the album is also, like, not really an issue at all. It's just that... This is an album that was made for Netflix-loving, Riverdale-loving, Glee-loving mm-hmm. 17-year-olds. Like, it's that market. And I kind of had to remove myself sometimes and be like, "It." she's trying to appease that market. That's the, that's her niche. That's the but target I demographic. Know. I think, like, 
I think she wanted more respect than that. I think she, and she did. Like you you see people that we're friends with or people we know who would have never have picked up a pop album or a top 40 album like this. And now I see them posting guitar covers of of Brutal or Good For You and stuff. Like you Mm -hmm. it's pretty, it's crossing boundaries. It's kind of like traversing those lines between people who have that, I don't want to say snobby indie rock nose in the air mentality, but like for all intents and purposes, like I listen to this type of music and that's about it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think in general, uh, you know, she's, that's her target demographic, but she's trying to also bring them along and give her indie rock influences, like give them the time of day as well. So I think there is a nice balance sometimes, but other times it just, like, it it sounds like you're trying to go for Paramore, but you're ending up with Demi Lovato. That's it. And Demi Lovato was trying to be Paramore as well. Yeah. You know, so it's like you end up kind of looking like the knockoff instead of the real thing. But also... That's kind of selling it short because I do really like other elements of this album. And I think this opening track does a really great job of establishing what, like you said before, like the immaculate production. Mm. I'm absolutely obsessed with the production on this record. And then also the music um, literally and figuratively underscoring the lyrical themes that she's putting forward with like the idea that the album's about a sour breakup. Oh, it's brutal out here. Like, woof. And it does start with those like that creepy Disney intro. And mm-hmm. then you got the, it kind of just like, like you wake up from a dream almost. Also, if you're listening to this with headphones, you get really great whispers in the stereo field at the very end of the song when the Maleficent mm. strings come back in. And it's almost like the gossip element of being a 17 year old where people are whispering in, in the, the hallway. public eye too. Yeah. 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 And and I really like that because um, it, I think it, like those two sections bookend the song, of course, and it creates a nice picture. I, I really like the song. It may be one of my favorite songs on the album, and I actually listened to this a couple of times before moving on to the rest of the songs. Interesting. Uh, just because of the, maybe the blur element, but I can definitely hear a Demi Lovato flavor. Yeah, it's hard to compartmentalize that in my brain and be like, oh, look, listen for the albums that remind you of Blur that you like instead of thinking this is a pastiche of Demi Lovato doing a pastiche of Hayley Williams. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like those two different buckets in my brain. I'm trying to decide which one's more full. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I got Uh, buckets in my brain. Show to the doctor. (laughs) got buckets in your brain. Get them checked out, please. Um, And also just like one other thing I'm going to say about the album in general. Can we please stop the trend of having lowercase song titles. I who the hell are you? Bell hooks. Are you bell hooks? <laughs> I wrote that in my notes. Are you bell hooks? Question mark. Like why why is that stylistic choice so present everywhere? That's gonna age poorly. It's gonna be oh like band God. names in it's the two thousands, like, like Blink one eighty two, yeah. Sum Forty One, yes, totally. Finger Eleven. Like all of those names aged poorly and I think lowercase song titles are gonna age horribly. Yeah, hot take uh wait what were we <laughs> wait, capitalize your songs Cap- okay sorry no no hot take lowercase typography is like the shoulder pads or cara delavine eyebrows of the 2010s this is that of this time i can't speak to that but i feel if your we're gonna passion. compare things to fashion and <laughs> trends <laughs> sorry cara delavine you're so beautiful but you know everyone's are drawing on their eyebrows a little too thick and uh anyway let's move on to All right. song. <laughs> eyebrows Shall we move on to the second yeah, track? Yeah, to Traitor. You betrayed me And I know that you'll never feel sorry For the way I heard, yeah You talked to her When we were together Loved you at your worst But that didn't matter It took you two weeks To go off and 
Okay, so you know my favorite part of this song. Yes, I do, because it's most certainly my favorite part of the song, too. The major and minor. Yeah, the chord, the spicy little chord movement at the end. Oof, chef's kiss. Delicious. <laughs> it's so good. And for those of you who don't know what like a major to minor is, it's often considered like a Beatles cliche where you go from... But a good one at that. Yeah, it evokes like... Um, like melancholy and and a bittersweet feeling so wait for for an example if we were to put uh if this is an a major chord this is an a minor chord so you can kind of see how one sounds brighter and happy and more uplifting and the other sounds more moody or sad some some categorize it as it just kind of depends what it's paired with right yeah and it's been maybe maybe overused by oasis but I, I, it's I, mine. Love, I it. love it. I, I love don't it. care. You and I are suckers for that, though. So. So what do you think about this song? Uh, well, it's our first Taylor Swiftian nod on the album. So we got to point that out. It I so, think what, it sounds like Dear John. Yeah, it does sound like Dear John. Well, also, I was thinking it, it kind of gives me like 1989 reputation era okay. swiftian vibes well the song i i said it, it kind of reminds me of like speak now era mixed oh with, so you picked a different because Swift of the acoustic era. guitar it's very okay. um it, it's very folky it has that kind of folk strum with the waltz time and the thing is that you also have um some pedal steel in the background really mixed really low in the chorus there's a couple of blasts of pedal steel, which sound really nice. <laughs> a blast nice. of pedal steel? Yeah. Is that an oxymoron? <laughs> it's a country spaceship. <laughs> can pedal steel blast? <laughs> I think it can. And you get a couple of blasts of pedal steel, and it gives it a bit, a bit of a country flavor. So it kind of reminded me of Speak Now. But the song starts with that image and heap harmonizer. Okay, I was just going to say, as a total side note, because you said the Speak Now era, and I thought 1989, I thought Imogen Heap, because she's the one that produced Clean by Taylor Swift yeah. on 1989, yeah. which is probably my favorite on that album. And so that's where I was kind of hearing, maybe it's through the production, but I totally hear what you mean with the acoustics and the... Yeah. Um, well, one of the songs on Folklore, My Tears Ricochet, starts the exact same. It uses the harmonizer, that Imogen Heap harmonizer. And I think they're even, they may be the same key. I could be wrong. Mm. But if you listen to them back to back, the intros are the exact same, which is funny because they're both COVID-19. Ain't it funny? <laughs> they're both COVID-19, uh, you know, pandemic lockdown albums. So they're recording them at the same time and both songs start the exact same. I feel like now is a good time to bring up the have you heard of whisper pop before as a genre i maybe i've heard have it but heard i whisper but, pop before as a genre maybe i've heard it but uh oh mew mew just looked at you oh wow i triggered her with my <laughs> my whisper i maybe i've heard some of the music but i, I don't know the okay label. so no. whisper pop is a genre of music in which people whisper the way they sing and rolling stone says that they categorize whisper pop as I think it was like one of the most prominent genres of pop music today. And they also said that whisper pop is music made for the ASMR loving okay. uh, generation or Gen Z's or whatever. Um, so I think it's interesting because this is definitely, I would categorize whisper pop because you have the, when you get the, it, there's a lot of dynamics 
played with in the song and it kind of brings in this element or sorry this trick that she does which is what a lot of people do maybe you could speak to this better of the quiet the loud quiet loud type thing where it's like she has her well, the dynamics of the song the dynamics of the song are like you know she has like the, the soaring chorus and then it drops out and then she does a little whisper bit at the end of the chorus and yeah so you and, kind and of it's, listen it's, to it a bit more and by the end of the song it's it's thunderous and there's like thunderous this, <laughs> they're like these snare sounds that it almost sounds like bridge over troubled water <laughs> where it's just this cavernous drum sound and um, we compare it to demi lovato and simon and garfunkel <laughs> the album no one asked for <laughs> yep um i think the biggest i do like the song i like the chorus i think the melody is really catchy the biggest criticism i have of the song is so the song's called traitor and the first line of the chorus is you betrayed me and it's like you couldn't pick a more subtle you have to literally yeah, say yeah. like instead of textbook definition of what a traitor you is. could have probably said that someone betrayed you without saying the word betrayal i think it's just very on the nose yeah but th the biggest issue i have with the song is that the vocal delivery so the vocal delivery sounds like if you were in 2010 and you went on youtube and there's a teenage girl with black flat ironed hair <laughs> with a used in my chemical romance poster in the background Aye. and a never shout never poster and playing this song in that kind of unfortunately labeled emo um vocal delivery which is you betrayed me and i know yeah like, totally it sounds very 2000s to me in like late 2000s let's say 2007 to 2011 that unfortunate era of music. That unfortunate bracket of pop music. Yeah. yeah where it was um, like everyone with an acoustic guitar suddenly did these songs like uh, The Only Exception by Paramore which which this song actually sounds a lot like. Right. So that's one of the issues I have with it. It just sounds very uh, Never Shout Never. Yeah and also like in my opinion I can be like oh yeah like I like the, the chord at the end the dynamics etc. But I'm not personally going to revisit this song because I'm not going to go to this album for that style of music if I want to hear it. Right. If I want to hear something that sounds like Imogen Heap, I'm going to listen to Imogen Heap. Or if mm -hmm. I want something that has like the the Swiftian 1989 feel, I'll just listen to that. Like it doesn't it doesn't stand out enough from those things to me in order for me to want to go back and listen to it. It doesn't get stuck in my head. Like right now I'm humming it because we, we just heard it. But it's not something that I think about later like some of the other tracks on the album. So I kind of marked it down as like, I think it's good, but it's not a standout for me. I have to say, out of all of the ballads on the album, oh, so many. There we'll are a lot of that. ballads on this album, <laughs> and I think this one maybe one of the better ballads. Oh, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and totally. but yeah, just some of the vocal delivery. It sounds like someone with a lot of influences that hasn't really found their own voice yet. But yeah, she's finding her footing. It's her debut yeah, album. Yeah, I mean, so she's, you know. she was 17 when she wrote and recorded this, I guess. She's 18 now, I think. Maybe. But um, yeah, I think you can still see... I said earlier that we want to kind of pry at the, the threads of the song. I think the threads are very obvious in this album. Very much so. Where, you know, a more mature artist would kind of put their own flavor on it and kind of cover up some of the the derivative lemon elements. twigs yeah the lemon twigs great band from Are Long one of Island. our faves the lemon twigs kind of uh you know they're inspired by a bunch of 60s and 70s bands but they make it their own oh my god like it's such it's a complete fresh spin and they they know how to like take influence from something and apply it to whatever it is they're doing so it sounds fresh it sounds 
it just sounds unique. It doesn't sound like it's anyone other than themselves. So that then if I hear someone's trying to do the lemon twigs, I'm like, oh, like that's their own sound. Yeah. Whereas this, it's like, I would just be like, if someone else did a song like this, I'm like, it's, it's referencing Taylor Swift or Paramore. Yeah. I wouldn't think it's referencing Olivia Rodrigo per se. Yeah, it's very Taylor Swift. It's very Paramore. But I think this is the same problem that you may have had with the first song, which is she's trying to go for Paramore, trying to go for Taylor Swift, but it comes off as yeah. never shout, never. You hear it when she's like, sleeping in the bed we made. Oh yeah, it's it's that vocal delivery. I don't know what it's called, but um, sometimes whisper it gets on my pop. nerves. It's whisper pop. Whisper pop. <laughs> whisper pop. Mew Mew was here earlier. We would have called it whisker pop. Oh, so cute. <laughs> All right. And okay. oh, a, a subtle thing that I really liked in the second verse, you have this sound effect. It's, it's almost like that uh, cliche chariots of fire. Like uh, also Friday the 13th when Jason's like lurking about and you're like, yeah. Yeah, that. Uh, I thought that was a nice element. Again, the production, I can't really fault the production at all. No, I think nothing. the production's fantastic. Immaculate. Oh, also, not to be ageist, but I did chuckle when it was like, you're sleeping in the bed we made you're 17 i'm sorry yeah it just kind of like it's like I, it's not that i don't think that's possible or that i doubt she's doing it. it's just like it made me just like laugh i'm like oh my god like she's so young and it's like it's like sleeping in the bed we made like they're like married and like about to get a divorce oh i funny. thought they literally just made a bed together that too like they got some feathers <laughs> <laughs> just so they made a nice little bed yeah um okay shall we move on to the yeah let's drive? go to the next one the big one driver's license and i know we weren't perfect but forever now i drive alone past your street driver's license driver's license what do you think something, about this song <laughs> something i don't have <laughs> you don't have a driver's license i have to drive you around ah, all the time that's why i keep you around you're my chauffeur you're not my boyfriend yeah rude i kind of um, i kind of got the hint to be honest <laughs> uh yeah driver's license this I, is a single it's a single yeah yeah it's, it's the biggest one off the album this one originally i think you would agree with me on this probably was tiktok tainted as i like to say certain things are for me for me i called it tiktok tainted's a good term <laughs> the triple t triple i called baby. it uh very when i first heard it on the radio this is the only song i had heard before other than uh good for you but um when i first heard this song i thought it was like like more chain smokers shit where it was like very instagram bio yeah. like like you're gonna pick certain lyrics to make a photo caption to make a thing. photo caption like yeah. we used to say that you know tumblr right like very tumblr yep. lyrics the 1975 yep um <laughs> but yeah what do you think yeah go so ahead. i love once again we keep saying the production the production's immaculate it's it's perfect i keep saying immaculate there's but it's true yeah there's great tape saturation yep. on the piano so you hear a bit of wow and flutter so it sounds you could tell that they're using a j37 plugin <laughs> j30 that'll be you in how many years no, it's a j37 well, yeah a couple <laughs> years uh a g, a couple. they're using a j37 um so you get this kind of wobbly effect if you listen to when the chords ring out gets a bit of wow and flutter it's a really nice production uh trick that makes it really warm yeah again great production by dan nigro i can't fault it no it's immaculate my favorite word of the night yours is bedrock um so the first thing i love about the song is the 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 musical motif for ostinato for those of you who not know who don't know an ostinato is just basically a, a repeating phrase in a song a sound effect or a little a bit so 
we got the one it sounds like a car door which i love so something interesting about the song is that it kind of it maybe this we, we appreciate this with our audio background it creates a little sound story at the beginning i feel like you're in a car with the car door open it's nighttime you're about to go for a night drive i'm not driving because remember i don't have my driver's license the door shuts and then you hear kind of the sound effect that brings you into like dream world almost where you're going for this this night drive mm-hmm. right so it kind of it pulls you in through this repeating musical motif of of the car door and it comes back it yeah, comes it back uh later in the album which i think is really cool um yeah one of the big things i really like about this song is that um I really like the lyrics of the song. And and the reason why is because... I'm surprised. That was going to be the one thing I thought you would pick. Okay, so the reason why is because for me, this song is... um, It uses a lot of classic teen cliches. So the idea of a driver's license and driving, that's a cliche, a teen cliche specifically, that's as old as teen culture itself. You know, because getting a driver's license and driving... That represents teen freedom, rebellion, right. sexual autonomy. Yep. That's a that's a huge thing. Like the, <laughs> yeah. <the> car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Moms um, turn off. <laughs> moms turn off the radio. Uh or the podcast. We're on the radio, by the way. We're on the radio. We're picked up. Yeah, and that's a really old cliche talking about uh getting a driver's license that usually represents teen freedom. You can go anywhere you want to go, do anything you want to do. And the song has very early 60s influences there's some motown hand claps okay i'm happy you brought the hand claps to a side note because i wrote down that they triggered me to my architecture of music exam mm. where we had to do the clap test and even though we had to do ones of us singing do re mi and all that this one was the most nerve-wracking and if you try clapping along to the ones in driver's license it's not that easy but oh, that, with hand clapping songs that's still the the good clap test to get yeah <laughs> as opposed to the bad one. <laughs> oh god um, you make that one yeah I'm disappointed thanks. yeah so you get you get hand claps <laughs> you have lyrics about getting a driver's license going to the suburbs the suburbs are also like a uh, as old as teen culture it's a very post-war phenomenon all these suburbs that popped up and what i like about the song is that she's using all of these 50s and 60s teen cliches and like the idea of oh you're you're probably with that blonde she's a brunette a betty and veronica situation say, betty and veronica goes back to riverdale core demographic and <laughs> um so i think there's a lot of early 60s influences but it doesn't sound like an early 60s song so she's taking these cliches and kind of again like dangling them in front of your face but then she also modernizes it yep. and and throws it into um the present and and i really like that because I think it's a great way to take some of these tired tropes and, and turning them into something new for a new decade right? and uh, for a new audience. And actually, I'm, I'm interested that because you mentioned this idea of like teen culture, because I watched a video of her and she was saying that when she was writing the song, it's because she wrote a diary entry. And the first and the first sentence of her diary entry was, I got my driver's license last week. So it's like you kind of get that diary entry we're in the car, door shut, we're entering a dream. It, it really, it's a very sonically expressive song in a sense because it does put you there with her mm-hmm. in the car. Or entering a memory. Yeah, you're entering, yeah. or yeah, like a happier memory of her with this, whatever, Troy Bolton part two. Yeah. Um, I love the dynamics in the song too. And I think the most interesting thing about this song, you might agree with me on this, maybe not, is that 
you don't the bridge is the chorus like the bridge is the hook and that's what makes the bridge so anthemic and uplifting is because you have so much tension building up to it and that's why it becomes so like explosive and that's why like people posting clips of driver's license or if it was used in any sort of video they're probably gonna use that part because it's the most anthemic yeah the bridge of driver's license I'm putting it on the record. The bridge of driver's license is the best part of this album, the best moment. Yeah, I agree. It's so Taylor Swiftian. It's straight oh my God. from Reputation. I was just going to say getaway car energy. Yeah. That type of like explosive night drive. It's like shimmery, hazy memory, dreamscape. Right. Oh, it's perfect. But the uh, the melody of that bridge is dun, 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 which is like starlight, star okay. bright. It's a nursery rhyme. Julian, I wrote down nanny, nanny, boo, boo. You can't catch me. Play. Yeah. I put what did I put? Playground, uh, playground melody and a taunting theme and which that's something we've been like subconsciously familiarized with for all these years so mm-hmm. we hear that and we our brain just automatically recognizes it yeah and then when you have the emotional build up the thematic build up all these things it's like this explosive emotional moment yeah and that's a a big taylor swift move oh my god and yeah. this actually starts what i think is a kind of loose trilogy on the album and oh. um because you'll see over the next couple of songs, nursery rhymes come back in a big way. And and I think, I don't know if it's deliberate, but um, it's something I noticed. And this is the first instance where you get that kind of, which I call like Starlight, Starbright. I actually don't, I couldn't find if that's a traditional well, I song. Well, I think when I was looking it up, I just, it was it's called Taunting Theme. And a lot of it's like, nanny, nanny, yeah. boo, boo, you schoolyard. can't catch schoolyard. Yeah, schoolyard, all that stuff. Rain, rain, go away, all that. The other Same thing. thing. Of, yeah, the other thing about this song is that it doesn't have the most original chord progression. The chord progression is actually just, uh, it's just the way you are by Bruno Mars. <laughs> he and invented it, by the way, that chord he progression. He invented that chord progression. He has a trademark <laughs> on it. Um, and the melody is similar to the verse of um, Champagne Problems, Champagne Problems from uh, Evermore. I wrote that down too. Got my driver's license last week Just like we always talked about You booked the night train for a reason So you could sit there in this hurt And actually, when I heard a bit of this song, like a snippet of this song on the radio, I said, oh, that's Champagne Problems. And it's funny because Champagne Problems actually came out after. And I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift. I love her probably my favorite female artist ever well we, we both ta and i think we've both mentioned yeah we uh, love taylor, taylor our swift students know that students. we love uh taylor swift but driver's license is much better than champagne problems i'm gonna say it yeah it is much and i'm sure taylor probably knows that and sieves about it at night she's probably plotting her uh her next one she's like i got my motorcycle license yeah i don't think she <laughs> I, has my to, I don't think she has to be pissed off though because no, this no, album I'm is basically kidding. this album is uh, for Beatles fans, this album is basically the Klaatu to <laughs> Taylor Swift's Beatles. Niche and references look up that in up here. if you want to get a niche reference. Yeah, that's an album you should listen to. Okay, what else? Oh, we got and, here? Oh, one more thing I want to say was there's this sound effect that starts on this song, but it comes up a couple of times and it annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> what is it's, it? It's the sound of almost like an analog synthesizer. Whenever is it, that one, opposite. Whenever she says something really sad, it goes, oh. and it comes yeah. up 
over the next couple of songs and every time I hear it I'm like I get it you're sad you don't have to have it's so literal the gag. So on the nose. you don't need the gag for you to say you're not the compliment type I hope you're happy but don't be happier it's like that James Bond you can cut this out even that James Bond thing with the car the sound effect <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> slide whistle, slide whistle. That's what I'm looking for. From the man with the golden gun. Yes, leave that in. Actually, I want that to be in. But overall, I like the song. I actually like her vocals uh, during the chorus when she says "Okay, okay." It almost her voice almost breaks, and it's a really nice vulnerable moment. But again. Some whisper moments. A lot of, lot of whisper moments scattered happening. Scattered throughout whisper the rest of the song. pop, everyone. Oh, and I also, in the video I was watching about how she, uh, this, the song composition, she was saying that when she recorded the demo or when she wrote it, she was imagining singing the whole song in falsetto in that higher register. And she, and I think I do agree with Dan, the producer's input, that it is more effective to have the loud quiet and have her belt out with certain parts. And then that's why the whispers become more effective. Mm-hmm. Or they become more annoying if you're in line with my sister's opinion on this album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the whisper effect is also kind of what gives it a bit of a never shout never flavor. Yeah. And and I think you almost have to kind of shift gears when listening to this album and kind of be like, don't think of that reference. Yeah. Other yeah. people are not thinking of never shout never when they hear this album. No. You're thinking that. Shift out of that gear or else it's going to ruin the Shift out of that gear, pun intended. Get out of the car. The song is done. Exactly. <laughs> that that, exactly. Is, that uh, ostinato comes back. <laughs> Remember that word? And also another thing, this song ends on a minor chord. Um, yeah, it leaves, it leaves you a little bit kind of like, oh, you're a little, I don't know. I feel like I'm. I really like that about I don't know. her I like songs. It. She ends on on minor chords and it's a, it's a nice effect. There isn't yeah. really a conclusion. No, I was going to say there's no resolution. You're just kind of like, uh. Okay, like every time you go to pause the songs we're listening to it, I'm like, huh? but mm-hmm. I kind of like it. I caught you off guard the first time because... You did, uh, I was waiting for more and I'm like, oh, we're yeah. done? Okay. Should um, we move on to uh, the next Yeah, song? let's do one step forward, three steps back. Because it's always one step forward and three steps back. I'm the love of your life until I make you mad. It's always one When I first heard the song, I immediately paused it. Because I said, this is New Year's Day I, by Taylor look, Swift. I wrote down, New Year's Day, Taylor Swift. I said, same song. 100% the same pattern. You can tell that she wrote this while scatting over New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. And then it does the exact same thing as New Year's Day, where at in the chorus, it goes from that waltz time, the dum-dum-dum-dum-dum-dum, yep. to a kind of Bill Withers-esque gospel pattern. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yep, like, totally. oh, yeah. You're my pretty, you're my fun boy. I hate that I give you power or that kind of stuff. Cause it's always one step forward and three steps back. Girls carrying the shoes down in the lobby. Candle wax and Polaroids on the hardwood floor. You and me from the night before, but don't read. And then I looked it up, and Taylor Swift and Jack Antonoff were credited because that's an interpolation of the melody. There you go. And she wrote it by accidentally scatting 
or maybe not accidentally scatting, but she she scatted a nice melody mm-hmm. over New Year's Day, and that's how the song was written. And um, so I thought that was really funny because it is New oh, Year's I, Day. I paused it right away. I'm like, New Year's Day, Taylor Swift. I'm yeah. on to you, Olivia. And also for people who don't know what an interpolation is, it's a musical quotation. So you're not actually sampling an existing song. Like the musical version of paraphrasing. Yeah, it's a, it's a paraphrase, basically. What, what was your Before I give mine, what was your general uh, taste on this song? I think this is the second song in what I call the nursery rhyme sequence. Oh, okay, okay. The song title is basically a schoolyard game. Mm-hmm. One step forward, three steps back. Uh, mixed really low in the chorus is a celeste which is like a music box, very childish instrument. It's part of like the xylophone family, like the metal Fisher-Price ones, not not like the, the nice ones. And then you also have... Uh, do you love me hate me which is kareem bailey ray put your records on uh, little girls double dutch on the concrete we wrote down all the exact same <laughs> three steps back do you love me want me hate me boy i don't understand little girls double dutch on the concrete a friend of ours calls those uh hopscotch melodies because it's very like da 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 very nursery rhyme and it kind of brings you back into that uh, schoolyard, you know, um, elementary school crush. He likes me. He likes me not. Yeah, so I picking that, daisies, totally. Yeah. And then it's also padded with with what sounds like an open window and, and some country sounds. It Once sounds again, like, soundscape, we're bringing in the idea of yeah. like creating a whole environment around the sound rather than just the instruments themselves. You get the Enchanted Forest again. The first Hell song, yeah, you do. got the strings. This one, you actually get the sounds of the forest. It sounds like she was recording a podcast in her room with an open <laughs> window. And hey. anyway, I think it, it comes together to make this nice picture where you have, you know, an enchanted forest sound, a, a schoolyard crush, a nice music box sound in the background of the chorus mixed really low, and then a hopscotch melody and recess game lyrics to create this really childish sound. And it, I think it's successful at communicating that kind of boy likes girl girl doesn't he likes like me boy. likes yeah. me not okay well i'm happy you're in the enchanted forest and playground because i am in chapters i'm sitting there it's fall i have a scarf on i'm holding a tea from you're the not, you're starbucks right yeah i'm holding a tea from the starbucks and the chapters and uh you know you're like oh my gosh i'm i'm the main character in a fanfic on wattpad and that is the energy that this brings me it is so much like main character in a bookstore or maybe maybe not wattpad fanfic but definitely like hallmark christmas movie and you mentioned a trilogy of nursery rhyme songs you have on this record this marks the first and i think i have three so it makes it a trilogy of (laughs) chapters pop that i wrote down and i cannot remove myself from the bookstore and I'm still there. Get me out. <laughs> I'm recording this remote. <laughs> but to me, it just sounds like such chapters music. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't remove myself from it. And that's it kind of tainted it. I'm not big on this one. Personally, okay. I, not I, a fan. I do like this one just because I. Th- one of the other elements I really like is that, yeah, it's creating this nursery rhyme feeling for me. And, but then she subverts it by talking about masochism and like and swearing. Ooh. Yeah. So she's basically, Ooh. again, this is another instance where she's dangling these childish cliches in front of you and then subverting your expectations. So that's why I like it. I like her vocal on it because I think it's very delicate and it 
communicates that vulnerability. Although when she says, I'm the love of your life. Oh, it's that, that emo delivery. It's that emo the delivery. The aforementioned that, emo delivery yeah. we hate. And I know people don't like when, when you know, you call things emo. Okay, but, but for but all intents know, and purposes. You know what we're Christopher talking Christopher Drew Engel, babe. Yeah. It's emo. Um, but yeah, that we got... Oh, and also I said that this song would be played in like the fight part of a movie when the main characters are fighting and you're like oh my god like when's this part over so we can get back to the good stuff like when you're watching like 21 jump street and it's like the split screen of shanning tatum and jonah hill and they're like walking on opposite ends of the hill because like they're mad at each other and the song's playing and it's like the split screen moves spending time apart yeah spending time yeah. apart that that whole thing and you're like okay 20 minutes later you guys are gonna yeah, maybe yeah. less it's like, 10 oh, minutes 10 oh my minutes god later. just like get to it already and get yeah. me out of this bookstore i'm still here yeah the other thing with that bookstore feeling is that it is very chapters. I also think it's very Hallmark. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, where it's like my sister worked at Hallmark, and I don't know if you knew that. What she, she worked at Hallmark, and she, what when? Oh, like two thousand and eight. Wait, like the cards? She worked in the uh, a Hallmark store in the oh, mall. Yeah, I guess that's like ca- sorry, cards not not and... like Hallmark movies. Yeah, I was like, no, 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 no. She worked. I didn't know that about she didn't her. make those like How? generic movies, which are actually made in Toronto. Um, that. No, she worked at like the Hallmark store in in the mall and they had a disc with Hallmark songs that they had to play every shift and this sounds like had it could have been to on the it. rotation. This could have been on it. Um but anyway, should we move on to uh, the next song? Yeah, oh, yeah, Deja Vu. Deja <laughs> like, Vu. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to Deja Vu. So when you gonna tell her we did that too. She thinks it's special. But it's all reused, that was our place I found it first, I made the jokes You tell to her when she's with you Do you get deja vu when she's with you? Do you get deja vu? Where are we? I feel like we've been here before. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> get it? Deja vu? Ha <laughs> ha, I'm funny. So what do you think about this song? Okay, it's one of my faves on the album. It's another single. It's another single. It's one of my faves on the album. This is one of the ones I listen to the most. It's on my general playlist. But I have a lot of things to, to or I have one thing in particular to laugh at, which once again, I think will probably be what you laugh about. Okay, <laughs> um, let's do the other stuff first, though. Yeah. But like I said, I love it. Once again, it's a good nod to Taylor Swift. I love the production. The timbre... Well, once again, for if you don't know, the timbre is like the the musical flavor of an instrument or of a sound. And it's how you can tell a guitar playing an A chord apart from a piano. It's the musical characteristics, or sorry, just the sound characteristics of a particular sound. Um, but I love the timbre and instrumentations and the, how they create, once again, this dreamlike texture that's kind of reminiscent of what we heard in Driver's License. Um, and I really love it. I think the the pop drop is fun. Pop drop's good swifty and pop drop we always love to see it um she has a lot of taylor swift inflections and in how she sings kind of reminiscent of her lover era 1989 reputation lover all the way she's the inflection meaning how she she sings in her voice how she delivers a certain line when she sings it um and the we all you're gonna say this too that the bridge in this is you know what bridge it is say on the count of three one two oh three. yeah it's cruel, cruel summer, summer. It's also another Taylor Swift song Which for me. One? I think so. The uh, the bridge of this song is I was the one who taught you Billy Joel. <laughs> I know you get deja vu. Yeah. That's also gorgeous. I guess I stumble home to my cats. Like 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 that. So I think it's two Taylor Swift songs. Play it right now. Play the bridge in Cruel Summer. Yeah. 
Okay, the Scream Singy Bridge. I'm getting deja vu listening to those. Yeah. <laughs> but she actually acknowledged that it was inspired by um, Cruel Summer. So she actually did acknowledge it. But again, like, I don't want to be the one who's like constantly bringing up Taylor mm. Swift, but. But here we are. Her fingerprints are all over this oh album. Oh my God, yeah. Like, and also, if, if we're going to get into the criticism of the song, because I do really like this one, like I said, the. I'm not a big fan of hyper specific lyrics unless they're very clever and i think to me the hyper specific lyrics are very like chain smokery like like, i wrote that down did you yeah Yeah. okay i said on like Like, tattoo on your shoulder like okay yeah i think this song is another example of her taking 50s and 60s cliches she mentions strawberry ice cream driving again trading jackets um, which obviously isn't a specifically culture. specifically 50s and 60s yeah, yeah. Uh, cliche, but you can imagine, um, you know, trading like a, a varsity jacket. Yeah. And reminiscent of both 50s and 60s culture, but also just teen culture in general, timeless yeah. teen culture. And also the other thing is that the music video for this song, uh, it's filmed with like 60s. Yeah. And I think she has like a head saturation. scarf and glasses. Like she's doing like she's the, got the, the, the Hitchcock in the car type. <laughs> not Jackie O in the car. I hope not. It would have been. It would, yeah. Too soon. <laughs> Bad joke. It would have been. Uh, <laughs> we're morbid. Um, yeah. She's got like the Jackie Kennedy kind of uh, head scarf. Yeah. Yeah. So she's playing with like 50s and 60s cliches again here. Mm. So I think that that the hyper specific lyrics kind of work. I agree with you on that. In some instances. Yeah. Also, side note, deja vu, like remembering something from the past, making yeah. those nods to the past. Deja vu is also often used, you know, in reference to like psychedelic music. And one of the elements in the song is psychedelia. You have the crimson and clover, Tommy James, ah, 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 that Leslie speaker yep. effect. The rotating sound. Yeah, totally. That rotating sound where it's almost like a dream coming to you, like an apparition. <laughs> And then my favorite, favorite, favorite thing about this song is you get to that fantastic um, hook of the song, which is, do you get deja vu? Uh, that kind of sassy, oh, it's a bluesy, bluesy note. note. <laughs> and you're like, ooh. But with the pop drop, you expect it to turn into like a dance pop song because it drops out. It goes, do you get deja vu? And I was expecting it to turn into like an Ellie Goulding song. But it turns into a Tame Impala song. Yeah. With like boxy tape saturated drums. I, okay, I was going to say the saturation on the, the instruments is so good. It that does sound gr- like Tame Impala. It's a good yeah, comparison. That was Very a gr- good. great surprise. It's that sound on like uh, Mind Mischief where for people who don't know that Tame Impala drum sound is like when you record drums that are where you put like towels on all of the drums. You deaden it a bit. To deaden it. And then you record it in like a a boombox or like a, a Tascam Porta studio with a really low setting and, and you get a lot of distortion and a boxy sound basically using room microphone. So if you want to recreate the sound, just rewind that part and that's how you do it. Um, and then also put the J37 tape plugin, which is also all over this album. Use code Julian10 for 10%. Do you get deja vu? So you get Psychedelia, you got Tommy James, you got Tame Impala, and I think 
that's a nice wait take those influences apart taylor swift tommy james tame impala yeah okay keep going but it's a nice blend the biggest issue i have with this song (sighs) the lyrics stick out to me in a really really bad way other than the ones i i named which are in the the first verse the rest of the song the lyrics i actually every time i listen to this song i cringe i am so act say it I was the one who shot you, Billy Joel. I think I just said shot. <laughs> I just killed Billy Joel. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the Billy Joel. Okay. Oh. Billy Joel. Okay. And like you're trying to act like Uptown Girl. Uptown Girl? There's a movie that came out recently called Star Girl on Disney. Oh, you told me about this yeah, one. Yeah. And one of the big moments in the movie is when star girl shows the main character big star wait does she not have a name like she's like mr big she's but... star girl okay star that's girl. her name okay um and she shows the main character big star um the song 13 that's an example of what this song is trying to do successfully because you're taking a cult act that you've never heard of and you're like oh you never heard you never heard a big star well here's big star yeah and that's cool that's cool billy joel I'm Listen, sorry, I, I know you love Billy Joel. I come from a family that loves Billy Joel. I've <laughs> a seen long Billy line Joel, of Billy Joel lovers. A long line of <laughs> Billy Joelites. And I've Joel seen lights. Billy Joel live. Uh, my family loves Billy Joel. He's got some great deep cuts. But he is so mainstream. He's generally regarded as kind of an adult act. Yeah. A very kind of square act. A little maybe corny and schmaltzy. To say that, oh, I know Billy Joel, she doesn't. Like that, yeah, <laughs> it's like, like, that's not something I'm bragging about. That's not a flex, babe. <laughs> like, if it was like Springsteen, I could understand because at yeah, least yeah. he's got a little more street cred. Yeah, or, yeah. or Dylan. Yeah. You know, like that scene in The Sopranos final episode when they're listening <laughs> to Bob Dylan. Like, I oh, don't yeah. like Bob Dylan. Are you singing Bob Dylan in the car, though? Well. That car will sound like shit. <laughs> that song, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Billy Joel lyric really just like the nail in the coffin for me in terms of like me being i was really debating i'm like okay like are the lyrics bad or am i just being stupid no 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 like that is hilarious to me but you know what the thing is <laughs> when it comes up the first time i'm like okay uh, yeah all right billy joel but then she it brings back. it back she's like i was the one who showed you billy joel <laughs> Like, yeah, and that whole ending, I like that the song ends with a bridge because it doesn't bridge anything, which mm-hmm. I thought was creative because it doesn't mm-hmm. end with the chorus or anything. It ends with like this analog synth part where it's like... Yeah, Olivia Rodrigo is very punk with song structure. Yeah, which is cool, but she recycles all of the lyrics she used earlier. Like, write new lyrics for your bridge because I was the one who showed you Billy Joel. It's like she's... I like to picture though they're in a fight and this is like her screaming at him. She's like, I was the one who showed you Billy Joel. It's like if you were to yell at someone and be like, and don't you dare say you're a Barry Manilow yeah, fan. Yeah. I showed you Barry Manilow. I showed you Barry I showed Manilow. you Mandy and Copacabana. Like, and I wish you never did. That's not cool. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not good. That's not good. I would have, if I were her producer or anyone in her circle, I would have been like, maybe switch out the artist for that one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe just pick pick someone else. Oh, and then the other lyric that stuck out to me is, um, the lyric is, I bet she's bragging, 
But when I heard it, I thought she said, I bet she's pregnant. Oh. And I'm like, oh. Oh, she's a mama shamer. Is that what 17-year-olds are doing <laughs> these days? I bet she's pregnant. <laughs> I bet she's pregnant. The other thing is that this kind of completes what I think is the kind of childish trilogy. Mm-hmm. Because that Celeste sound comes back in the intro. That sound is, is that music box sound that starts in... One step forward, three steps back, and then it goes into what was the song? Driver's license. Driver's license. No way. It only appears in one step forward and three steps back and deja vu, but the childish themes start with driver's license. So I think um, that kind of completes a little trilogy of using very vulnerable, naive uh, mm-hmm. elements. And I think that's cool, but that lyric sticks out like a sore thumb. Pick oh my someone God, with more yeah. street cred. <laughs> more street cred honestly like if she could have even said billy joel then pick something other than uptown girl yeah all i think about was that lmfao video of them doing the the shuffling from party rock but to <laughs> set to uptown girl i picture olivia rodrigo and her her, her ex-lover doing just that okay well yeah. deja vu i think i've said I, i've said my piece chrissy <laughs> sorry <laughs> sopranos reference so let's move on to um oh yeah good, good for, for you, you. good for you um i think driver's license is the best song on the album but good for you is my personal favorite okay i love this song it is the seven things miley cyrus if you're young listening to this it is the seven things of our generation the song that you scream along to even if you're like 12 and you don't have an ex-boyfriend you're mad at (laughs) you still scream along and act like you do and you're so impassioned by it that is the energy that this song gives me and I love everything about it. Yeah, you want to jump up and down. The thing I is, do. you know. Right now, let's go. <laughs> no. Uh, as things reopen, I'm going to tell you every band is going to cover this unironically and do a really shitty cover. Oh my because, God. Because, I mean. <laughs> so true. Like, the, the cool thing about the song and the reason why, um, the reason why it, it works in like a band setting is because the verses are in halftime and then it picks up in the uh, in the chorus, which is a cool little thing that, that builds the energy. Yeah, the chorus is explosive. This song, the the biggest thing I had to say about it was it sounds like the opening scene in a 2005 Lindsay Lohan movie. So you know I love it. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say. It sounds like, picture this, okay? Close your eyes. Picture that the song's playing under the scene. She wakes up late. She missed her alarm. She's trying on different outfits in her messy room in front of a mirror. This is me. And then she skips breakfast and misses her bus. Wow, this is me. And then right when the song ends is right when, like, she arrives at school and then the movie actually starts. Such a Lindsay Lohan opening. Love it. 2000s song. I'm actually surprised 2000s nostalgia is already in. Yeah, you're thinking of Ultimate, the song I always push on you that I know you love it too. Yeah, Ultimate. Ultimate from Freaky Friday, the end song. I actually remember seeing Freaky Friday in theaters. Well, you're going to see it again soon because I'm going to make you rewatch it with me. <laughs> I'm due for my uh, semi-annual rewatching of it. Um, anyway, the song is... I, I really love this one. It does... It it has been compared online to the Demi Lovato 2000s thing, even though to me, it 
it sounds fresh enough and i do think it reminds me more of the seven things it's, it's spirited in that sense because to me demi lovato's were more like trying to be paramore this one sounds like it's its own thing to me so that's why i really like it i think it's the biggest earworm on the record it's the one that i hum the most after i listened the to the record the first time i remember humming good for you all the time i kept singing good for mew our cat <laughs> and uh, yeah this one i love i love the um and there's a little gu guitar arpeggio action in the the chorus i think oh, it sounds that... so it's oh, a nice little shimmer to it we're big power pop fans and that's the a biggest. jangly Oh, power yeah. pop guitar part that I love. And then when things drop out and oh, it's and just that part, beautiful. Yeah. An arpeggio, if we don't like when you're picking individual notes of a corridor, right? Wasn't arpeggio the uh, carpenter who made Pinocchio? I, I was, I, you're looking at me and I'm like, I feel like I'm right, but I feel like you're going to make an Italian barber joke or something like that. <laughs> Ignazio. Also, I like the bridge, which is basically Drag Me Down by One Direction. Oh, is it ever? I didn't hear that. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of got that police feeling. Maybe I'm too emotional, but apathy's like a wounded soul. I've got fire for a heart. I'm not scared of the dark. You've never seen it look so easy. Overall, I don't really have much to say about the song. I just think it's a it's a fun um fun song for bands to cover in bars. Um I think some of the reverb like it has a nice tail on it where it'll be like ah! and when you hear like a, a very long tail of the reverb and I'm like I think that sounds nice in the setting. Yeah. And I see I saw a lot of people online saying like this is obviously sampling Paramore. I'm like there's no sampling it's done. A it's a it's a musical quotation. It's yeah. a nod. that's when people were saying that she sampled it i'm like there's no sampling involved she didn't take a recording if anything maybe she heard it and she wanted to do a similar type yeah. thing but i think a lot of that's just dynamics and Haley williams does not own a loud quiet loud dynamic i'm sorry yeah and you can also you know play music that's inspired by your heroes totally. so, like there's nothing wrong with that but i guess what I mean, it works here because it, this, is, this isn't this is trying to be something else. This song is just mm -hmm. wearing its heart on its sleeve. But another production thing I like, shout out to Dan Nigro, um, if you're listening to this. <laughs> the one thing that I really like is the uh, the over-compressed acoustic guitar when things drop out. Yes, and the high-pass filter and it goes when she, before she Very screams the sociopath line. Love yeah. it. So good. That's Such really a good cool. production choice. But shall we move on from good for you to enough, enough for, for you? you? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. You found someone more exciting the next second you were gone. And you left me there crying, wondering what I did wrong. And you always say I'm never satisfied, but I don't think that's true. Because all I ever wanted was to be enough. I think that was enough for you. That was enough. I am bored and guess where I am? Chapters? I'm still? back in chapters. I haven't left chapters, actually. I've been in here this whole time. <laughs> I'm like a Bond villain recording remote, but my evil lair's in chapters. <laughs> this is probably my least favorite on the album. Me too. And um, one of the big issues I have with it, it's very Never Shout Never. Oh my God. The vocal delivery, when we were just playing it, yeah. I could tell you and I were both like, Wee. Yeah. You're only as your heart will let you be and you're only as small as the world will make you seem and when the going gets rough and the biggest issue i have with this i've listen i've listened to this album in preparation for this five times 
this song, every time it comes on, I dread listening to it because she is so shrill. So shrill. I wrote down so shrill. She's giving a hundred percent the whole song. And it's a nice, delicate song. If she was, if she just kind of, you know, you're talking about whisper pop, but if she actually just sang it a little more delicately, yeah, I would have really liked the song, but it's just, especially that bridge, <laughs> she's yelling the whole time and it's, you know, it's compressed here, yeah. which is fine, but it's like a little too tiring a little and i was getting ear fatigue listening to this song i loved you too much to be used and discarded don't you think i loved you too much to think i deserve nothing but don't tell me you're sorry yeah i had a lot of ear fatigue if i look at my notes it says first thing i'm sleeping i'm bored i'm annoyed this is shrill Oh, I said that if I were singing this live, I would want a sponsorship from Sleep Country Canada so they could wheel out a mattress for me while I'm on stage so I could take a nap because this would be so exhausting and impractical to sing live, I feel. Yeah. Um, and also, I laughed. I put in quotes, favorite songs by heart, she mentions. So you're listening to Billy Joel, and then you're going to mention favorite songs by heart. As someone who enjoys heart like a normal person i think they have what like four songs that are uh, i thought she meant like you know your favorite songs by heart oh wow okay cut this out of the podcast Tell us a barracuda. No, <laughs> cut this out. oh i'm leaving that in oh no, please don't it's slander <laughs> let her rate with the shit she's doing it wouldn't surprise me oh boy that was so funny i'm like i think it's funny that you said he have favorite songs by heart i sound like a drunk girl in the bathroom like the worst jukebox ever just heart and billy joel yep um the other thing <laughs> oh is she God. mentions lyrically she mentions self-help books um in the first song she mentioned she mentions anxiety yeah. other songs she mentions um therapy and yeah. rec- recommending a therapist so this is a really like say what you want about this song and like it's not my favorite it's probably my least favorite on the album but the one thing is that the song does provide a little bit of an iceberg um and kind of a little <laughs> bit of a glimpse into what people are going through now like especially teens now where they're going through a lot of anxiety especially during covid when this right. was written and there is a lot of anxiety a lot of self-help a lot of therapy and so you're getting just the tip of the iceberg by these little lyrics she's sprinkling in, but I think it's symptomatic of a problem that a lot of people her age are dealing with. And I think that actually comes back later on in the album. I'll mention when it happens. But yeah, other than that, those little glimpses the song provides and other songs have provided, this song, probably my least favorite. Weak. It's just weak. Honestly, if I were someone she was showing this to, I'd have been like, you need to chop that one off. Just cut the fat. Like, this does not need to be on this album. This should have been an outtake that she released later for a fun little Instagram drop. This does not need to be on the album. I think it's so... Yeah. It's a snoozer. And apparently there's opinion. a little bit of pushback. Like, she originally wanted to do a full album, and then mm-hmm. her label said, do an EP. And she said, no, I want to do a full album to show my, uh, like, my eclecticism. Mm-hmm. But... I understand that. And one of my favorite things about this album is the diversity in the tracks and like the idea that she's combining influences as diverse as like Taylor Swift and Tame Impala. (laughs) Tommy James. Yeah, Tommy James. But like the thing that bothers me is if you're going to record a full album and and you say you want to show off all of your musical ideas... Do you really need to cram like five acoustic ballads? That don't work in my... I don't know. I just think like there's no need for that. I agree with you. Yeah. Show us another side of Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, that one just didn't do it for me. Okay, let's go to the next one. Happier. I hope you're happier. 
another one i don't really have much to say about um i'm back in chapters actually i never left i'm still there this is so much hallmark movie christmas time i you could probably maybe speak to this a little bit better is it like a 50s chord progression that's the energy it gives me i was actually going to say that this song for me is uh taking a lot from like 70s adult contemporary oh okay um i got mad 50s vibes off this one okay yeah well there are 50s vibes but melodically this song the second i heard it i said this is the winner takes it all by abba and there's actually a moment in the second verse that the melodies are exactly the same i don't want to talk about things we've gone through though it's hurting me now it's history you've ever seen an eternal love bullshit you know you'll never mean remember when i believed you meant it when you said it first to me and i looked it up after and to see if anyone else pointed that out and there's actually mashups that people have done when they're doing covers yeah i just looked up too and i i don't know if i saw that one but i saw people saying like oh happier by olivia rodrigo like done in the style of 50s music so i think yeah. people are yeah there is a there is a bit of a 50s like sway to it um it's it's another song in waltz time but another 70s element is that she has those synth strings in the background which you can hear all over like bg's records um some bread oh yeah very like obviously synth strings but then an actual string section comes in at the end which is cool the thing i dislike about this song the most is rhyming better with happier (laughs) it doesn't work and if you're gonna build an entire song around a near rhyme that isn't that near (laughs) that isn't that close i think it just kind of falls apart i'm like write a better lyric it's it's just so amateurish (laughs) go on rhyme zone and you can sponsor us rhyme zone uh (laughs) I just think that's such a poor lyric. And also there's a lyric in the song, which is, I bet she gives you butterflies. And it's like, I thought she did so well at destroying some teen cliches. Yeah. Then you, and then this one feels like an actual cliche that just wasn't fixed. Moon and June. Very moon and June. Those are moon and June lyrics. But yeah, I'm just kind of bored with this one. It's like another love sick ballad. It's kind of unremarkable in my opinion. And I'm just like, yeah. on to the next one i don't know thing. how many songs we need about you know is she better than me yeah i'm like one could have posed that question yeah so let's move on oh, to yeah, I like the next jealousy the next jealousy i think this is the underdog of the album this is my other favorite I'm obs- I love this one. I listen to this one frequently. Yeah, when that chorus hits, I was like, oh boy. I was this bouncing. Is, I was like, this is a yeah. good one. I am, um, what, yeah, what, I'm out of chapters, in case you were wondering. I'm out of there. After three chapter songs. Yeah, I'm out. I am in a house party, in a CW show, and ooh, kind of like a gossip girl type thing. And there's like, you know, it's like, the, oh, no, what it is. It's like when you're watching one of those shows and the couple that you want to get together, they're like making out at the party. And it's like a very like... You're basically scene. saying that she she made a soundtrack for a non-existent 2000s movie. Yeah, I think so. But I like it. It when, works. When the song started, I thought that my phone was bugging out and it went back to Good For You because the bass lines <laughs> are so similar. Like yeah. the, the intros are very similar. They start with that distorted are they both bass. In, are they in the same key? Are they in F sharp minor? F sharp? Maybe. Not, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. sure but they, they have wrong. a very similar uh, bass line in mm. the intro or they yeah. start the same way. When I heard the song, the chorus to me 
is Portugal the Man. But then the melody in like the Portugal the Man part is the come comparison. That's cool. The back half where it goes, I'm so sick of myself, is same old love. Yeah. Max Martin, that's Max Martin, Selena Gomez, right? Yeah. When I heard totally. that, I'm like, that's, that's same More old love. More whisper pop. More Disney. More Disney. More whisper pop and Disney. Look at that. Yeah, and I, I like the I like the bluesy notes, jealousy and, and rather be like jealousy, jealousy. Such That's a cool. bluesy note. Beautiful. I like when she does bluesy notes. Me too. Like, do you get deja vu? Oh. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um and the harmonies are heim. Yeah, they're very hymian. Yeah, those nice low three part harmonies. The harmonies on this song actually remind me a lot of No Body, No Crime. Oh, like the one with Taylor Swift and Heim? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It reminded me of The Kills. They're, I think they're a British band, kind of like that. But that also has that same, like, CW TV show house party. Your characters are hooking up and you're all like, ooh, it's saucy. Same energy as that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this one. I, I don't have anything bad to say. This is one of the ones I added to, like, my playlist I listen to. And the, the only, the bridge can get kind of, it can grind my gears a little, a little bit. Um, it's a little like scream, scream singy. It's kind of like, I think it's like a Taylor Swiftian thing. Kind of like once again, the cruel summer bridge, it just works so well. And I think it's a fun song. Yeah. Another cool thing about the song is that in the bridge, she's just hitting piano notes. Yeah. It I was going to say, is it atonal or is it, what, what's it the deal It starts off jazzy, but I think the idea is that she's so frustrated that yeah. she's just hitting the, the notes and creating this dissonant sound, which is really cool. Very dissonant. Um, especially because the song is built around that, like foster the people, like those piano bass stabs uh and then it basically just becomes super loose to the point that it's just dissonant it's not even making sense mm -hmm. and i think that's a great way of you know communicating the idea that she's frustrated especially when you com combine it with her distorted vocals i yeah. thought that was a really and it's music underscoring thematic content which yeah. is cool The biggest problem for me is this song was an earworm for me, but whenever I sing it, I sound like an incel. <laughs> like <laughs> Perfect bodies. Paper looking at white all teeth. these girls with paper white teeth. <laughs> Their oh beauty is not my lack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, this is definitely a song. If, it's, if, it, if the aforementioned bands are going to cover Olivia Rodrigo when things are reopening, maybe, maybe don't do this one. Don't add this to your repertoire. Yeah, it's it's kind of like how... If you're a male I, singer. Yeah, it's kind of like how I don't think that... We should put it in the pile with, like, Touch, touch myself. myself. Yeah, we always want to jam Touch Myself, and then Julian's like, well, I can't sing it because it's just... It's different when a guy sings it. Yeah. What's next? Favorite crime. Favorite crime. Just so I could call you mine The things you did Well, I 
Favorite crime. Favorite crime. Not one of my favorites. No, not one of mine. And um, I, I temporarily departed from chapters with jealousy, but I'm back I'm better than ever. You ran out of books. And also, <laughs> during the first summer of the COVID pandemic, you were living in chapters. I was. I did a lot of reading, actually. <laughs> but <laughs> I, was, I was preparing. I was like the Rocky of, I don't know what I was training for or what I was reading about <laughs> <laughs> for no, nothing. Um, I'm still stupid um yeah this one it just didn't didn't do it for me i like it's not that i think it's a a bad song or anything like that it's just that we have this with enough for you we have this with happier we have the same feel with one step forward and traitor it's like they all to me are they they exist in that same space on the album they they occupy the same space in my mind i just i don't really maybe it's just not my cup of tea it's just not my favorite yeah i agree with you um i actually I really like one part of the song. Oh yeah, the 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 bridge yeah, has yeah. this kind of like neoclassical. Very neat. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, classical. It's I like, like that. you could hear a cello doing this. Solo. Oh yeah, I'm sure someone will do like a Bridgerton type thing and do a, yeah. a cello version of it. <laughs> the Bridgerton version. Yeah. And then I like the the final chorus where she sings an octave higher and she has that the image in heat. Is it the Vo- vocoder? I don't know if it's a vocoder or a harmonizer. Like it might I'm be a not harmonizer. in love type ten <laughs> cc yeah. type thing. It's funny because some songs on this album were labeled art pop. What? No, 10cc yeah. is art pop. Yeah, this is this album is not it's art not pop. Art pop. This um, is pop. Nothing wrong is, with that. It's just it's pop. Yeah, it's not art pop. Yeah, so I like those two elements, but other than that, this song, um, not one of my favorites. Uh, ironically. Okay, let's go to the next one. The final track on the album, "Hope You're Okay." You're. Are we still bell hooks in lowercase? Yeah. <laughs> hope you're okay i'm all right yeah good me too um so i'm I'm out of chapters like we mentioned but instead i kind of took a nice little stroll through the mall i'm in urban outfitters now i'm I'm going through the the sales section i kind of have like i have slight urban outfitters maybe because it's like like i like the chorusy very reverby reverberated sorry guitar i like that i think it's nice and I, i actually like this song the interesting thing about this too is the another once again surprise surprise taylor swiftian bridge the one that com- came to my mind instantly was um in out of the woods and even olivia has a lyric where it's like i'm on a first name basis with her now by the way <laughs> olivia my friend comma the monsters creep into your house and then taylor swift and out of the woods you can play a snippet of it here her lyric being the monsters turn out to be just trees But yeah, it did remind me a lot of that song. But if if we're going to compare them, even though we don't have to, I wouldn't hum, like listening to it, I wouldn't hum this one immediately after. Whereas when I listened to Out of the Woods, it immediately was stuck in my head. And I could just hum it and it was in my head. This one, 
I kind of forgot how it went after, but I still liked it. Yeah, I think this song is part of that muddy picture of all of these ballads that are kind of just... It's on the periphery of it, though. It's not fully yeah, in that, but it's it, still... It works for another reason, but... But the actual guitar sound is really interesting because I think it's a palm-muted nylon guitar that's pitched really, really low. Mm, interesting. So it's like you hear the strings, and but it's like doesn't sound like a guitar, but it sounds really, really. Uh, it has a unique sound, though. I like yeah. I like the guitar tone in this. I think it's really nice and it works. Yeah, and then it's saturated to be lo-fi, which is a really nice uh, trick that like Dan Nigro does throughout the whole album. Um, um oh the important thing to mention i think with this too is that we get a sense of even though a lot of the songs you said end on the minor it gives you a sense of a lack of resolution in this case we kind of get a, a sonic bookend if you will of the album where they reintroduce the musical mo motif or ostinato of the car beep that you hear in driver's license so which the, is whole, interesting. the whole song she's talking about all of these people she lost touch with and she's concerned about their well-being which is nice and she's like you know we don't talk much but i hope you're okay that's basically the idea behind the song or or, or she'll say something like you know i'm thinking about you and i hope that your family loves you now and whatever but the the entire time i was thinking to myself just reach out to them yeah like like, <laughs> like you can easily find them on instagram facebook remember we're in the 50s though no, i'm kidding True. did they have a linkedin in the 50s yeah but, but so i was thinking that the whole song but then at the end of the song you hear what sounds like a phone call mm -hmm. over the uh the outro so mm -hmm. maybe she did talk to them and not only that maybe she drove over to their house maybe and that's the ignition sound that yeah. ends the album so yeah. I, I i agree with you beautiful bookend The thing I really like about this song is that remember that iceberg I was talking about earlier? The one in our salad? No, I'm kidding. In the, sa <laughs> in the salad, yeah. It's delicious, oh, by the sorry. way. The thing I really like about this song is in the other songs, she mentions anxiety, she mentions self help, she mentions therapy, she mentions therapy books. And then this song actually goes under the surface and shows you the rest of the iceberg. It shows you the epidemic of anxiety and depression that that you know gen z kids are dealing with these days so this album if brutal was the thesis for the album this is the deep dive the conclusion where it kind of tells you you know i hinted that this is what people are dealing with but now i'm going to address it head on i hope you're okay i hope that you know you're getting the help you need she goes below the surface which i think is really nice i don't think that you can end the album any other way other than by actually addressing some of the issues that you were just hinting at and putting in the periphery uh, in the other songs. I love that, that you summed it up perfectly. Yeah. Okay, well, let's do our uh, our concluding thoughts on the album as that was the last track. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do our number rating first? Or let's do, do that last. Okay. Um, I think the highs are high, but the lows are low. I was in chapters too long. It just wasn't fun um that was my biggest criticism was that that selection of the pat the lovesick ballads i just wasn't big on them but like i said i love jealousy jealousy good for you driver's license even brutal all those ones i think were really interesting um i think the themes were topical and applicable to a lot of people that she's trying to reach out to with this music melancholic breakup music very gen z album. very gen z instagram captionable 
um i don't know i maybe i'm jaded but i think tiktok i i hate tiktok i think it's the true virus of the 2020s haha but um i think tiktok originally tainted this far more for me prior to my first listen and i'm happy that i gave it a proper chance and a listen because as a huge fan of pop music even disney specifically disney pop music i think it was a fun listen i'm really happy i did and um i liked it okay so usually when i listen to an album the more i listen to it the more i like it this album maybe because of the way that um we were preparing for this podcast where we were breaking down the songs i listened to each song a couple of times so i didn't really get the back-to-back experience of the full album i was really listening to each track and trying to you know get the nuances of them um i loved this album when i first heard it when i first heard it i'm like there are so many twists and turns i love it but the more i listened to it it was the opposite effect it was i liked it less yeah and maybe it's the sixth sense uh, phenomenon where once you know the twists and turns, the novelty wears off. And once you know that, oh, she's not going to an EDM drop, she's actually going to go to Tame Impala here. Oh, she's giving you a 50s cliche, but then she's going to, you know, use Taylor Swift elements. Oh, she's going to put a childlike schoolyard melody, but then she's going to mention masochism. Once <laughs> the novelty of that wears off, it's it's an album that for me is... I, I'd have to say probably mixed to positive. I completely agree with you on that. Honestly, I, I see her doing really awesome things in the future. Yeah. But totally. this is just, this is an album made by a 17 year old. And sometimes it really impressed me. And other times I was like, oh, that's a, that's a misstep. Yeah, on the nose, or it was just like a little cringe at some points. But something that really tied all these elements nicely together that we touched on multiple times is the production that was consistent throughout the whole album was the production was amazing incredible um, yeah i love the production what, what band I love... is he in dan nigro tallest man on earth i think it is one of those indie rock bands I think one it's of those one. bands with one of those names yeah um young the giant tallest yeah. man on earth so like woodsy woodsy very indeed. woodsy um some of the songs i agree with you are a little forgettable but again the highs are so high the lows are so low but i think that this was an album that maybe needed it needed an edit yeah, I think so too. It needed an edit and maybe she should have listened to her label when they said cut the fat and do, you know, it's fine if you want to have the, the lovesick ballad. It's a breakup album, of course. But okay, actually, you know what? I wrote this song down. So in my research, I was trying to see if she had any other songs out there. Mm-hmm. And in uh, High School Musical, the musical, the series, um, she, her and the the little twerp, not not twerp, sorry, the guy driver's license is about, they're, they're co-stars. Okay, they're like the Vanessa and Zach of this era. They did a song together that they both co-wrote. And you want to talk about the aforementioned major to minor chord changes. Oof, they were spicy. So this song is co-written by her and the driver's license dude. This song has a spicy chord change in it. It mm. is so good. And she co-wrote this. So it's like if she would have had something like this on the album rather than five chapter songs. Yeah. And like also a lot of the other ones, like I'm thinking now, 
they were all like the same message wrapped mm-hmm. up in multiple different songs. Whereas if you had one where it's like, am I know, as good just, as her? Yeah. Or it's like, have one where it's like, you know, just for a moment, like have like a narrative shift and have it be like, oh, like this is us when we were happy and everything was okay. And you're like, w- wishful thinking would have been a cool theme to throw in there for a different song like this style. I think if you said that, she would say, that I'm not, you know, I'm not putting words in her mouth, but I think she would say, "No, the album's called Sour. I'm sour." But, but you can, you can reflect. Of... You can have nostalgia and still be sour. You yeah. can reflect on the good times if you're in a bad mood. Yeah, and it's like the whole album can be sour, but then you can have an individual track like this where it's more not obviously not this track, of course, exactly, but something with this flavor, something with this feeling. Like when you were when I showed you, you said John Mayer, a little bit of a little bit of that flavor though. Give I wrote love down, a try. Yep, give love a try. Jonas Brothers, like Corin Bailey Ray, who we mentioned yeah, too. Yeah, I'm gonna say that too. Um. Yeah, like it just like it has a unique flavor to it. That and I just think, like a star, is just what I was like a star, of. exactly. Yeah. That would have this flavor would have served really nicely on the palette of songs that she had, mm-hmm. and it just would have it would have exercised a different muscle for her in terms of I think as a as a songwriter, and well, that would have given her more credibility. On her palette, she just had stickers. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder how that tasted. <laughs> uh, but overall, I I just want to say that I think the album, even though it didn't have those moments the the shifts from like folk music to pop punk to indie rock to psychedelia at some points it was really nice and it it was a nice um i like that she was bringing in those influences in a time where a lot of disney associated stars are being told to move away from that yeah like the jonas brothers aren't i mean they're not with disney anymore but they're not making power pop pop punk anymore much to my chagrin yeah they're making like wedding music. But the thing is, um, I like, I'm basically what I'm saying is there could have been more diversity, but the diversity we have, I'm still appreciative of. And yeah. I like that the, the, the first time you listen to it, you're going from song to song and all of these different musical styles are kind of jarring. It almost felt like, flipping through an instagram story and you're getting different blasts of music where it's like none of this stuff should make sense together but it does and so you got bedroom pop you have indie rock you have pop punk and it makes a nice uh potpourri potpourri. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) but what do you give this album what's the the final score 6.5 out of 10 okay so when I first heard this album, I gave it a 7.7. 0.7. Because I couldn't decide on whether I really liked it, which is an 8, or if I really thought it was kind of meh. Yeah. And it was a 7.5, so I put 7.7. But the more I listened to it, the lower the ranking, I, I, I'd i say it's probably like a 6.7. Okay. Just to, to, to 7. Do you mark like that too? That's yeah, so funny. Yeah, I'd say that this is probably a... A hard 6.7 or a soft 7. Yeah, I could see the soft 7. Because I think that she is doing some interesting stuff with cliches and subverting expectations. No, no, totally. And I think it's fresh and it's different. It doesn't like, it has like elements of a lot of people you see in pop like Billie Eilish or Lana Del Rey, but it's different from them. It's not taking too much from them. I mean, the other thing is that people, um, and listen, I don't want to be the person who compares two female artists. Oh yeah, of course. We're not pitting any of them against each other. Exactly. Just for fun. But Taylor Swift was also accused of ripping off Lana Del Rey with Cardigan and with Wildest Dreams. Both of which she did way better than anything Lana's done in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. So, hot take. Uh, Two questions. The first is, is this album overhyped? It's not that it's overhyped. It's just that 
I'm surprised. It's like when I watch Pulp Fiction Mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm surprised that the people who have been like, what, you've never seen Pulp Fiction? It's one of my favorite movies. The people that said that to me, I'm like, after watching the film, I was like, you like Pulp Fiction that much? I'm surprised by that. Not in like a sense where I think postmodern film. Yeah, where it's like, it's not like necessarily the most accessible or like, not that's, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm more surprised that like, it's less of an action movie and it's more of like a, like a, an interesting, it's not a piece of pop culture like Marvel. Yeah, like it's not as accessible as something like that. So I'm like surprised that more people watch it. It's like, are you just telling yourself you like it because everyone else is type thing? Mm-hmm. Um, not doubting the the brilliance of Pulp Fiction. I love Tarantino. But yeah, it's just one of those things for me. I think like I'm surprised that the people that took such a liking to it, I think it was a ripple effect though. They saw their other friends were posting about it and then their other friends in bands and and whatever. It gave them credibility that even though people are in their 20s or people in their 30s, I know, they were posting about it and they were publicly indulging in this album. Yeah. As they should, like do what you want. But do you know what I mean? Like I think I was more surprised at like the 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 degree to which people publicly expressed their appreciation of this album. Yeah, I think I think it's mainly the novelty of, oh, you like Driver's License? Do you know she also has a pop punk song? Yeah. And I think it was that the uh, Clashing Styles, that was the whole novelty of the album. And it was kind of a sixth sense thing where it's like once you know the twist, it's mainly people were selling it for the twist. Yeah. That's what I found. Um, and it kind of did what, I mean, it's going to be an odd comparison, but it kind of did what Thriller did, which mm. is it made... You know, you have Billie Jean, a music, you know, a song to dance to. You have, but then you also have Beat It, which was specifically included for 80s hard rock fans. So the album does give people a lot to chew mm-hmm. on. It has bedroom pop, if you want to be sad. It has 2000s Never Shout Never music. It also has pop punk and um, and like indie rock. And so I think the novelty was what people were hyping up, but... Once and you I think actually, the surprise of it. And the surprise of the novelty. But like once you actually strip it back and you kind of look under the hood, you're like, you can see the mechanics. You can see the derivative elements. <laughs> nice driver's license pun, by the way. I wasn't even intending that. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you, would you call this a concept album? I mean, it's an album <laughs> with a concept. <laughs> but I mean, it, more so in terms of, is there a loose narrative here? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I would right? say that. I would. I would say it's a concept. Maybe because, like, when I think of concept albums, I think about like Meatloaf or like Lemon Twigs Go to School, Pet Sounds, or like Sergeant Pepper. Like, mm-hmm. I think about that type of thing. But maybe that because that's just what I've read about the most. But I don't know. I think I would say it's a concept album. Like it mm-hmm. has a concept. But then again, is every album not a concept album? Then if it's about someone's lived experiences. like where do you draw the line to me actually you know what i would say no then aha i take it back i take back what i said well i'm just thinking about the sonic cues of like the uh the keys and then like often mentioning yeah the book uh, ending often mentioning cars Mm -hmm. and yeah maybe not oh you know what though that's a you know what that's a conversation for another day yeah that's a long one well okay i think we i think we did it i think we exhausted sour I think, are we sour? I think we're sour. I don't think we're sour. 
I, I really I'm excited to see what Olivia Rodrigo does next. I'll listen to it. Mm-hmm. I just, I love some of these songs. Have I think you, she's lovely. Have you seen Sour Prom? I watched it. I made notes about that too, but I didn't know if we were getting there. Mm-hmm. All the very obvious nods to like Courtney Love and Hole I thought were fun. Mm-hmm. But I was also very like cringed out. But I was also cringed out at like my own prom. So like maybe I'm just not a prom person. That's a good point. It was a very weird production in my opinion. But I think that uh, concludes our first episode it of does. Anything But Toto. Yeah. Watch out next time for us reviewing Anything But Toto. Because we don't want to hear that. I don't think you do either. I'm Bianca. I'm Julian. Thank you for listening. <laughs>